Welcome to the Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host Albert, and this is episode two ninety seven. Prepare to be assimilated. Hey, uh, board Julius, how's it going? I cannot do that, Albert. So welcome back, Julius. Um, this is exciting. We're talking about we're talking about a game. I honestly didn't think we were going to talk about. You didn't think we were going to talk about it because we talked about the other game. What was it called? Was it Solenia? Solenia. Solenia, and this is sort of like that one a lot. So I figured, well, we've covered it already, so no need to go I mean, there. I, I feel like we I, still need to review it. Okay, it, it has a lot of stuff that's different than Solenia. It just happens to be that Solenia pulled an element from this game. Oh, not the other way around. Yeah, so Lenia is a, it took a small element of this game. This is the big version. Okay. You know, I saw this in my game store in clearance, and I really considered buying it, but I did not. I, I should have gotten it, maybe. Uh, let's, we'll see how you feel after my review. Yeah, we'll see if I regret it or not. <laughs> so in Black Angel, the idea is, is that you are an AI, or one of four AIs, potentially, um, piloting the Black Angel ship through space, that your goal is to um, pilot your group of humans through space to reach this colony, uh, and the AIs are running around the ship doing all sorts of stuff, and the whole goal is to be the best AI by the time they reach space so that you get a pat-pat from the humans when they wake up. <laughs> okay, sounds cool. And it sounds pretty uh, topical with AIs being so trendy lately. Exactly, yes. And this wasn't even with the rise of AIs, but yes, <laughs> very much so. Neat, um, okay. So this is going to be a dice action selection game where everyone is going to be having their pool of colored dice. And you can play one of various different players, uh, different player colors. There's red, pink, white, and blue, which were interesting color choices. In fact, the color choices just on whole are interesting. Mm -hmm. But everyone's going to have their own set of dice that they're going to be spreading around the board to be able to do stuff in the various different segments, so the yellow and the green and the gray dice. So you have things that are running around the board, trying to do stuff to manage your ship, whether it's sending out little mini ships around the space board to be able to return them, or whether or not you're fixing some of the various catastrophes that are popping up on the black angel, like damage to it or uh, ravagers that are trying to bury in, or just simply, you know, bettering your programming by getting extra cards or extra tokens and things to be able to, give yourself more stuff to do. Uh, they'll continue doing that until the black angel arrives on the new earth. Um, they call it spes, but it's new earth, the new earth colony, <laughs> uh, or theoretically the ravagers get tired of chasing you. Um, when one of those things happen, you will total up any victory points with any final victory points. And whoever has the most wins. Okay. Sounds, sounds good. Sounds straightforward enough. Sounds like it's got fun mechanics in there. I think so. I definitely think it's fun mechanics in it. Okay. It kind of vaguely remind me of Artemis Project. Is it going to be similar to that at all? Yeah. Mechanically? Okay. Kind of. Artemis Project had its unique action about the fact that you would place down dice and ascending values, so going mm -hmm. early helped things. This doesn't have that, but it, it has dice action, selection, uh, dice action selection, so yeah. that so one thing basically. is there. 
Okay. Yes. And the space theme. Okay. Cool. So so let's so you gave us a summary. Let's talk about the uh, the rules. So in terms of the rules, um, I think that frankly, I think with the rules, the best thing to do is to take your turn sequence card and go through the rules with your turn sequence card, because the turn sequence card gives you a very good summary of how it is that you play. There's going to be a sequence A that you play and a sequence B. Essentially, you'll go through sequence A if you have enough dice to be able to put out, or sequence B, which is when you don't have enough dice, it's to pull all your dice back. Um, so the little turn reference thing is, is really useful for being able to grab that in quick reference. So just sort of use that. It's like a, a table of contents almost. I mean, there it's, it's duplicated the rules, but I found it very helpful when I was going through the rules to sort of remember which step of the various sequences I was in. I just thought that was a very handy dandy neato tile to be able to use for how all the sorts of things happen. Um, not even barring that just with that again, I think the rules are, are well enough. I think I managed to explain it. I didn't have any other particular issues with being able to understand the rules. Okay. And they, they, they look clear and well laid out and all that. The, you mentioned the, uh, the colors. It's very, very colorful rule book. Lots of, I, I have mentioned that about the components, but yeah, sure. We'll get into it. Everything has this bright, neo scheme to it that mm-hmm. i feel like i'm in uh, a japanese f- a future japanese style with like uh, black lights all over the place everything feels like it's doing that color scheme and the rules are no exception to it but everything does <laughs> yep. especially coming as the the board layout also the background of it maintains that same color scheme if you can see it for everything laid out and uh, it it makes you feel like a blacklight space type world. That's funny. Which you know I find interesting because those colors it's like a really bright pink and a, a teal also. Mm-hmm. And those colors remind me a lot of South Florida, of Miami, Miami Beach. There's a, a fast food chain called Miami Subs that that use those colors, and and those neons are very common in Miami Beach. At least were when I lived it years ago. <laughs> so to me, it's a very retro thing. Sensible. So, okay, so we talked about the rules, and now you started hinting at the component and their vibracity. Their vibracity? <laughs> yes. Is that really the word? It, I mean, it is now. Yeah, absolutely. I just <laughs> made it. <laughs> I bet you it is I, the word, vibracity. I, I, I don't know how to go with that one, then. It's the quality or states of being vibrant. <laughs> Sure. That's a word. Sorry, sorry to throw you off there. So about those components and their vibrant colors. Um. Yes. So speaking of the components, as we're moving to them, this is a larger game. This is mm-hmm. like Solenia was nice and small and took up space in the table. Uh, this is one that sort of eats your entire table. Um. It has one main Black Angel game board, um, which is the a board that represents the ship itself where all of your AIs will store their dice. will be able to use stuff for going around the board for where things go. Um, excuse me, not where your AIs use it, where the game board stores stuff for being able to use stuff. And if there's damage or tokens or all the sorts of stuff gets laid on the board, that's where things live. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there is also, so and that is a whole board in of itself. There is also going to be a space board. So if you've played Selenia, if you heard us talk about Selenia, these are a set of five hexes in a strip, and it's sort of like a C-shaped strip. And so there's a whole bunch of them that you will randomize and then lay out in a row. And the idea is that as things happen and stuff makes the ship keep going forward through space, you will pick up the rearmost tile, flip it over, move it to the front, and then just sort of push everything so that the that it's recentered. And then when your ship moves forward, so now it's in the center of the spaceboard, but things have moved on through. And so again, this is going to be another big board that is right there on the table. And it's essentially just got two big boards. Wow, okay. Then this, uh, the spaceboard, as it moves, the like when you first lay it out, you're going to shuffle it up, I guess. So the layout is going to be different each time you play. Yes. And then when you Moderately when you're so. playing, it's going to start repeating over and over like a cartoon, right? It doesn't change order after that. I mean, there's a backside and a front side to each tile. Ah, so right. you will that's go really through good. all of the front side for this layout and then you'll end up going through the back side and then you'll do that whole whole thing once more. Okay. So it does repeat but not so much that it feels repetitive. No, because it's all randomized but also like mm-hmm. It's just being used to randomize all the things. Like the stuff on it, it doesn't. You're not going to be like, oh, well, that that means that there's two suns next to each other. The way it's laid out, just having things moved around, it doesn't. It doesn't feel repetitive on it. Okay. Okay. Um. So in addition to so those are two main boards that everyone is going to be interacting with. Then you also have your own board, and your own board is where you're going to store stuff, and stuff is just be coming off all four sides of your board. You're going to use it primarily to store your technology tiles and your cards. So you're going to have cards that you're going to be playing to the left and bottom of this board, and you'll use those to activate the technology tiles that are in the middle of it. And then when technology tiles get ejected, they get ejected and placed over on the right side of your board. And then above your board or on the top of your board, you're going to store your various resources. So the generic resource, which is cubes, and then debris, and then ships that you've built. So you store those on that board. So it's another board. Um, it it becomes wow. a yeah. tight fit on the table with those, especially because you want to have enough room to be able to see those mm-hmm. cards as you're playing them because it makes a lot of difference where you're playing them and what's been already filled up. So it, it's a tight, tight, tight board on my table. Did eat a lot of our table space well yeah it, it looks big it really does so that's just all the the stuff on the board um in terms of cool components there's also the black angel ship figure that goes on the space board which is just the plastic mini ship which has a not at all aerodynamic <laughs> ship lookout to it but it's in space so it doesn't need to be aerodynamic um, I remember looking at the first one, like this can't be a ship. It can't fly. I'm like, Oh wait, space. No, it doesn't make any difference. <laughs> um, then there are also the little mini ships. Um, over the course of the game, your guys are going to be making these mini ships and using them, sending out little robots to go pilot them. So the mini ships, are these little like flying saucer things and your little robots are these little robot. They're not meeples, but they're little plastic cylinder roboty type guys mm-hmm. that you will, put in the ships and then send the ships off around the board 
off around the spaceport to be able to go visit all of the other alien races. And the, the cute little adorable little robots. <laughs> the adorable little robots. And do they fit on the ship or is it just... Yeah, the ships have a little dimple for you to actually stick your robots in the ship. Neat. Okay, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, cute little robots. This, they're fun to play with. Um, if if you're one of those type of people who will sit and play with your pieces while you're waiting for everyone else to take their turn, you're going to play with your robots. <laughs> the robots are cute. <laughs> you make this game sound better and better. Uh, yeah. Anyway. So the robots will be sitting around or, I mean, the robots are also used to program your ship. So you may have some in ships or you may have some on the black angel itself, or you may have some waiting in the breakout in the, not the breakout room. Oh gosh. Zoom's got <laughs> to me. Sitting in the break room, um, just chilling and waiting to be able to do, you know, something cool and stuff. Um, in terms of other pretty components, there are the resources, which are these gemstones. They're like a uh, plastic diamond looking things. And then there's cubes, red plastic cubes for damage or debris. Um, when it's on the ship, it's damage. When you take it away, it's debris that you can then use to build other stuff. Um, in terms of tiles, there's a whole bunch of tiles that are used for technology tiles. Uh, and they come in various different colors. You'll put them down on your board as you get them. And it's a three by three board. So you're putting them down on this three by three board. And so it may be that you put a gray one in the first slot, which means that if you play a gray card in that column or that row at a later point in time, you're going to activate that technology tile to be able to get stuff. So that's what the technology cards are. Where do you get these cards from? Well, they're out on missions. So you'll have mission cards to be able to get. You'll go head off to go hang out with all the, you'll, you'll send your mini robots out into space to be able to go pick up mission cards and you'll be able to use those mission cards to go and play them to technologies and do stuff. Also out in space are these evil red ravager aliens and the evil red ravager aliens are the ones that are running up to your ship and blowing it up and causing damage when <laughs> ravager aliens come up because you've done something out on the space board that triggers them. Uh, you'll flip over some of those Ravager cards and deal them around to the ship. Uh, they will make it more hazardous to be able to go to places like you may, though, when you pop one up, it'll say play to this area. Now, whenever you play to this area, you have to make another damage cube appear or your dice are less valuable or what have you do all sorts of things. So the Ravagers are around messing with your ship or causing more damage to the ship. And you must, you know, deal with that. <laughs> Otherwise, mm -hmm. Stuff explodes and becomes much more difficult. They, they sound annoying. They really do. They're annoying, but they're a valuable resource because they're red cards. And the red cards, unlike the other mission cards, red cards can be played as wild cards. They can be any color. So they're both useful, mm -hmm. but only useful for you to store them first. Gotcha. Okay. So there you cool. Go. Okay. That, that doesn't sound so bad then. So I think I've covered about all of the components that I think I want to cover. Um, in terms of my general thoughts of it, it's a pretty game. I think that a lot of the components look nice. They really have continued to hype up this. The, I'm not quite sure, like cyberpunk future type mm -hmm. style to it. It looks cyberpunky. I wish that would look more cyberpunky in terms of like people with the crazy hairdos, like the Final Fantasy hairdos, because it's all just robots. <laughs> it looks like cute cyberpunk. How about that? It looks like cute cyberpunk. Um, but I like the look of it. It looks nice on the table if you could fit it on your table. 
but all in all, I think the components are really, really nice. I do appreciate that. Okay. Yeah, I don't I don't remember what that art style is called, but it does have a name and it's definitely a sci-fi futuristic theme and it always features pink, right? Pink and I think it's cyberpunk, is it not? Maybe, I don't know. Sure. So having said that, why don't we review what the gameplay does? Okay, let's do that. Cool. So in terms of doing gameplay, as I mentioned, you have two sequences that you're going to be running on each of your turns. Um, and then each turn, you, you do one of these. If you're unable to do a sequence A, you have to do a sequence B, and that's just the way it is. The way sequence A works is when you have dice, you first, if you choose to, you get to play a card around your player board. As mentioned, these are the Mission of the Ravager cards. When you play them, you can activate technology tiles on your 3 by 3 grid in the row or column, whichever you're playing it to, that share a color as that mission card. So these mission cards are useful to be able to activate those technologies. Usually those technologies are just giving you extra bits to be able to take other actions and do other cool stuff. Then you will grab dice. Now everyone on the board is going to have a slot with their own where they're storing their own dice. The dice come in three different colors. There's green, yellow, and blue-ish, grayish dice. And those correspond to the different places out on the board for things that you can do because primarily everything comes in a green, yellow, or grayish color and the dice correspond to what it is, the color that you're doing a thingy with it. So you have to select one of your dice. Now then, you can just use one of your dice for free, but you can actually steal dice from other players. Nice. Okay. So when you're doing it, you're going to roll and all the dice are one, twos, and threes. So it's, it's D three dice. Um, but if you didn't roll nice and one of the other players did at the low, low cost of one resource, you can steal one from another player's area to be able to use it. So if they've rolled all the dice with the good stuff and you want to be able to use it, you just steal it and then they'll be stuck using your dice. And then theoretically, if they want to be able to take actions, they'll probably have to buy a worse die back from you at the cost of a resource. Now they can choose and say, I don't want to, I'm just going to move to sequence B and sort of like be off sync with you a little bit, which may make sense, but it's really fun to do that. <laughs> just, just to mess with people. Just know like, I know you probably really want that three. Guess what? It's not yours. It's mine. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That, oh, that is so frustrating. <laughs> um, it's it's deliciously frustrating. Actually, I feel yeah, like yeah. it's it's deliciously frustrating on both ends because there's sort of the the you know the little benefit you get of having a free resource. It opens up other choices for you because sometimes they're like, "I'm going to steal a two, but maybe you don't really want to do that." Or there are zeros on the dice. Um, so it's actually the dice are zero, one, one, two, three, and three is the way it is. So there's only one, two. Um, but you can choose to, to use those things and maybe you can take some advantage of it. There is some amount of dice fixing also because some of the times you're also able to flip the dice. You can spend a little bit to flip the die to be able to get something out of it, which can plus or minus it by two. Mm -hmm. 
but it doesn't hurt on either end. I think it's a really nice, just, just to mix it up with other players and to mess around and do stuff. It helps with multiplayer. And even when you're playing solo, there's a little bit of that sort of stuff going on where you get to mess with the other player. The other player, Otama, messes with you. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so you're selecting a die and you're going to use it to perform one of the actions. Either you're doing an action on the black angel board or you're doing an action on the space board. And then after that, you get to draw a card that matches the color of the die that you use, which you'll be able to use that card to either make into a mission on the space board, uh, or you can use it to run your technologies. If you're out of dice, um, you must then just re-roll all the dice that you have that are then expended, uh, reset your player board, so discard all of the play resources and cards around your board, and then move the Black Angel one forward. Uh, again, when that happens, you're going to move everything forward one. It's going to start pitching stuff off the board. As it pitches stuff off the board, it's going to advance mission cards off the board. Some mission cards, similar to some of the mission cards in um, Solenia, some mission cards are useful as long as they're out. So, like, there are some mission cards where if you have uh, a ship there to be able to interact with it, you can spend a, a die to be able to use it to say, get some resources or get some ships or whatever it is that you want. Some missions want to get bumped off the car, bumped off the board. When they get bumped off the board, assuming you have a ship there to use it, uh, it may give you a whole bunch of stuff. Like when you activate one with a die, it'll give you just a robot and a resource. Whereas if it gets bumped off, it gives you three robots. So different choices about the different types of missions that you want to be leaving on the board. If you want to leave ones all the way forward to be able to use ones and continue to use them over time, or if your strategy is going to be more, I'm going to place missions and then try and bump them off real quick to be able to use them. So there's multiple different options for what you want to do with that space board. I think I've, so I've sort of mixed up two actions that you can do here. Let me go back and discuss all the different actions that you can do with a die. So we're back at assuming you have actions, assuming you have dice. These are all the things that you could do with the dice. The first one I've already mentioned, which is you can use a die to command one of your ships. When you're doing this, you can move one of your ships either off the, you know, off the dock um, in, uh, in the Black Angel ship. You can launch a new ship and, and send it out if you have a robot and a ship done. Or you can move another ship around out in space. Um, if you end on an empty hex that doesn't have any other card on it, you could put a mission there um, that is the same color as the target that's there. So like if you end in a space with a yellow planet, you could put a yellow card there and then you gain ownership of it. You stick a robot there um, to show that you have ownership of it, uh, and your robot that went piloted there hangs out also to be able to continue to get you rewards from that thing. After you activate, and this is one of the more major things, after you activate it, there are these Ravager icons that are on the board. Anything that is adjacent any hexes that are adjacent to the hex that you are putting a mission out, the Ravagers, are going to trigger new Ravager cards. 
you'll draw Ravager cards off the deck and lay them out in the correct spots around the board. Again, they'll cause damage to them, or they may make other stuff. And then it's also going to refresh the technology tiles, which I haven't really got into that. Um, but it's going to refresh the technology tiles when you put it out. Um, that is one action, which is just move around your ships. And then the last action, the next action is you can use those action cards. As I mentioned, you can use the dice if you have a ship on a spot where it is activatable. You can use your ship and your die to be able to activate that to get whatever the benefit of it is. Meanwhile, over on the Black Angel, there's a bunch of stuff that you can do on the Black Angel itself. The first thing is those technology tiles I mentioned. The technology tiles are going to be out on the board. When you activate with the technology tile, so that requires you using a yellow die. When you're using the yellow die, you take technology tiles and the level of technology tile that you get is based on the die that you're using. So if you're using a three, you have access to everything. If you have a one, you don't necessarily have access to all the stuff and you may not be able to get something. So you may want a more powerful tile, a more powerful die in order to get more stuff. The technology tiles are going to be placed on your board. Part of kind of the goal of them is to inject them. You're going to be injecting them by slotting them in, and then everything in that row or column is going to be pushed one out. If you manage to push out a tile, it'll get flipped over. It'll go onto the stack of one of your spaces, and it'll start to score you points. The, the interplay between these is that the amount of tiles you have placed on the yellow, the gray, and the green thing will determine the maximum amount of victory points you can earn from the tiles on your board during the game. But essentially, the more stuff you manage to kick out, the higher combos you can reach with your other tiles that are left in. So again, there's sort of a push-pull. You want to eject stuff so that you can get better combos, but if you're ejecting stuff, you're not going to have anything left to be able to get those combos with. Yep. So tricky stuff about being able to balance that push-pull. Um, the other action you could take is if you are spending a blue die, um, there's going to be these damage cubes that are going to be coming out around based on the Ravager actions and based on people doing actions that cause damage cubes to come out. Um, those damage cubes, when they come out, you essentially go there, you manage to take it off. Damage cubes will block off tiles, like you won't be able to do stuff until you clear them, you won't be able to grab stuff. When you take it, it becomes, at that point, debris. Debris can be used to activate for free some of those technology tiles um, so you get the extra benefit of turning a debris into a robot or a point or a card or whatever it is that you're wanting to have it activate. So that gives you more abilities. Um, as well as you know, clearing up space so that you can actually take actions on the board because if there's too much damage in something, you can't take actions or it's just going to cause more bad guys to come or what have you. Um, the next thing you can do is you can destroy ravagers. When you're destroying ravagers, you can, for every pip on the die, you can use those to destroy a ravager, but ravagers must be destroyed in a group. So if there's a group of three, you must use a three pip die to defeat all of them. You can't have more than three ravagers on a spot after that just causes the, the ravagers just cause more and more damage. But yeah, you just have to defeat them. And again, there are the Ravagers, once you defeat them, they turn into red mission cards that you can use to make 
other cool stuff. And that is really all of the actions that you can take. So you'll pick one of those, grab its chosen thing, continue running around the board, and taking corresponding actions to be able to kick off more of those technology tiles, continue to be able to do all sorts of cool stuff, and hopefully by the end of it, you will win. In terms <laughs> of stuff that gives you point, yeah, I know. In terms of being able to collect stuff at the end of the game, um, you will have some advanced technology tiles. So, for example, advanced technology, if you manage to grab them, will give you, for example, every Ravager card you'll have is worth two. Um, these are technology tiles that you'll grab and slot into your advanced slots, but without being able to kick stuff off, those extra resources can be limited to how big a combo you can get. So, but you have to kick stuff off to be able to level them up higher. Again, that same push and pull that we're talking about. If you mm -hmm. don't have any technology tiles, all those leftover resources, like leftover Ravager cards and things like that, are worth nothing. So you have to spend those resources. Otherwise, they don't do anything. They don't turn into any extra victory points. Gotcha. Okay. Sounds like this game has a, a lot of little bit of moving parts and whatnot. It, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> it's it's less that it has a bunch of moving parts and just that all the parts sort of sling together to do things. Yeah. It's not it's not a very complicated game where you have to understand it all. Like I know I've I've I'm gonna reference now Merchants of the Dark uh, Merchants of the Dark Road. Road, thank you. Merchant of the Dark Road. That one had a lot of little parts to it where everything tied together and you had to do it. But there, there was more complication just from, you know, sort of niggly details. With this one, I, I told you what an action is. It lets you remove cards or it lets you take mm -hmm. a technology tile. I can summarize an action in like one sentence, and that's what it is. There's not like these side roads where you can go and this and that. Like a resource can translate back into this and just run this loop multiple times. So that keeps things accessible to be able to play through it all. Okay, so so that's a summary of the... Was, that was basically everything in the summary. There. That's all the gameplay. Um, okay. Let me just mention about how Solo works. Yeah. Um, this is a Solo Automa game that there is a, a variant AI that they have named HAL, thus my reference back <laughs> at the start of the episode, um, that when you're doing HAL, essentially he's an extra guy who's going to be stealing dice Um. If he has any dice, you're going to reveal cards for him, and the card is going to determine what it is that he does and where it is that he's sending dice. Um, he may end up selecting your dice because, hey, it's going to do something better for him, or he'll just reserve dice and keep his own. Um, if he runs out of dice, he's going to uh, roll and advance the Black Angel and keep things moving. He less so that he cheats and just that he's the, he's the sort of guy who just gets free victory points for everything it is that he does. Oh, okay. If he tries to do something and it fails, he just gets victory points. Um, if he tries to do something successful, he just gets victory points. If he reveals a card and that card can't happen, he just gets three victory points. Um, he gets a handicap of if he's being stupid, he gets three points. <laughs> God, okay. And your goal is to beat him, um, which is fine, yeah. I think. Um, in fact, the recommended method that they use for making it harder or easier is give him extra points at the beginning. <laughs> so oh, okay. That way, when, when he's 
stupid. He already has a bonus. So he's constantly earning, but then frankly, a little bit. So are you, you're also pretty constantly earning. You'll have a chance at the end to get a whole bunch of bonuses. Um, when you score, Hal doesn't get any bonuses at the end. So what he's got, he's got, and you'll have a chance to be like, Hey, I've got all these combos. Will it be enough? Will it be enough to chip away at this lead that he's been building up to for the whole game? Um, I'm fine with it. He doesn't feel like a regular player in terms of the fact that he's slowly getting points all the time. But the most important part for Otoma for me is that it's pretty easy to run. It doesn't take a lot of work for it. And it simulates all of the interactions with another player. It gives me a guy to steal. It has a guy stealing from me. It has a guy blocking up spots. So it, it fills out the board nicely. So I, I don't mind it, even though it's a cheating robot. Yeah. But I assume like when, when you're playing against so like if you're playing against an opponent, you, you, you you look at the dice and you have a sense what they're going to do. They're going to want to take your good numbers that you have, probably. Yeah. If it makes sense for them. You can tell. And I guess with the AI, it's, it's more random, so you don't know what's going to happen. It may work out that way. It may not. Um, sometimes. I mean, even with a human player, you don't always want to take right. the die of the best value. You just usually do. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, if, it, if, it, if it also works with your plans, then that's the way to go always. Yeah. Uh, some of the differences is in terms of color. Usually, usually if there's a specific color that you'll want, you'll want to grab the biggest die of that. Sometimes you'll say, Hey, I need to only, I only need to go two spaces on the spaceboard, So I'm going to save the three to use later. That's the sort of ploy that is, that is more dependable with humans. When you can look at it and be like, they're not going to use a blue die. It's safe for me to do that. Um, and is similarly relatively safe well, it's it's not safe at all with Hal because Hal just automatically takes the biggest die if he picks that color. So the color is going to be determined randomly, but he's going to just grab the biggest die, whether it's yours or his. Okay. So there you go. Okay. How long does the game last, roughly? A solo game? If you're playing solo, mm-hmm. uh, it lasts about an hour and a half. Okay. It's It's... Actually, I think it's probably less than that, maybe an hour. Um, but the game, like the game, rates at an hour to two hours to play multiplayer, and I've usually found it running at the longer um, time limit for that, running about two hours. Um, so it, the game has a fair amount of depth to it, with having to mess with all the different stuff but light enough that you can still really understand all the tactics and everything going through it and stuff like that. In terms of some of my other thoughts about it, I actually really do enjoy the game. I think that the spaceboard here, if I had never seen Selenia, I would have said that's really cool. Mm-hmm. How it moves through and you have that push pull about put stuff or, or leave stuff or take stuff. It is a very neat little thing. And I I would have really liked it. The problem though, is that Selenia exists and Selenia (laughs) implements that spaceboard so much nicer because it's so punchy with that spaceboard moving along. Whereas this one, sometimes you don't, sometimes you want to put it all the way in the forward and interact with it more. Um, 
the the multiple interactions of the spaceport almost detract from it as opposed to Selenia, where it's one interaction now and one interaction when it gets bumped off, and you have to balance how soon can you want you to to bump it off. So Selenia just implemented that spaceboard more nicely than this one. It, but if Selenia hadn't existed, I would have said that this is just really cool. The difference though is that this has all the other stuff that right. goes with it, which is a pretty robust dice worker placement game, dice action selection game, really, um, with all sorts of different stuff going on on the space board, on the on the player boards, and on the ship board. The idea of having the mess messing with that technology is a really cool mechanic. I enjoy the movements around, being able to take the mission cards and move things uh, move things here and there. I really like all of that. That's a very good component in the push of having to push stuff off while still play cards, the right spaces to power up your cards. All of that is really fun. The action selection on your board on the main board is really good. I enjoy all of that. It's only overshadowed a little bit for me by that space board. Perhaps even if the game had, you know, not used the space board, which almost feels like a chaotic thing to say, but almost if it hadn't used that space board um, or used it differently, I'm not sure. I would have enjoyed the game even more. That's interesting. You like the game and, and you like, you think the space board's okay, but um, that scrolling, you didn't like how they implemented it as well, but the other mechanics are really good. So it's, it's sort of, it's still a good game. Taken, taken all by itself. It's a very good game. The problem is that Soleni exists, and I'm very torn by that fact because, again, this was supposed to be they, – they were making this one. Try understanding of how it happened. They were making this one. They saw that space board. Like, you know what? If we sort of, like, paired away all this other stuff, we could do some really fun stuff with that space board. And they did that, and that's Selenia. And I think that was absolutely the right decision to make was pair all that down and make Selenia. And Selenia is, like, really good. Selenia is a very good game. Um. So, but this is also, it's a good game. I think just the the fact that that's the space word, maybe just a little bit more. I'm not, yeah. Okay. And this is uh, the same publishers and designers? It's the same designers. I don't know that it's the same publishers. Uh, okay. Oh, and this is the same person that made uh, Twa and Selenia and Twa Dice. and. Twinning. I sure hope it's the same person that's made Selenia. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Really, yeah, that's the so that, so worker dice worker placement games is what they've made a lot of. Yeah, and like I said, I mean the dice worker placement aspect of it is is really good, and the spaceboard I really see how it could, how it's really good. I I see it, I get it, it's good. It's just you have to interact with the same space. I'm because you're having to place multiple ships and move around it there's a lot more movement around it and I don't feel that coolness of having to move stuff on and off of it and stuff getting ejected off of it. Mm -hmm. Do both games take about the same amount of time? No, Selenia is so much shorter. Selenia, like I could do Selenia solo in like a half hour. It could also be that I played a lot more Selenia than I have Black Angela, but Selenia is a much shorter game. Well, interesting. It still sounds like a really cool game, man. I do like the artwork. I don't think you specifically sold me on it and, and I don't regret not picking it up. Um, but it still sounds really cool. I, and it looks really nice. It really does. That is a fair place to be, I think. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, with that, Team Black Angels blasting off again. All right. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Have a good night.
Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.